You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. And it looks like we are live. I'm going to give uh, John just a second here to get the Facebook group in. I got a green check mark across all platforms. Mile high hello, everybody. And welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I am returning back as your host. Uh, my name is Lance Sanderson, and joining me is, as always, uh, my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle Senior NFL Draft Analyst, uh, the one and only Eric Trickle. Eric, it's been a while since I got to sit uh, behind the chair and get on the get on the keys and have a football conversation with you. How you been, man? Been good. It's been two weeks since you you know we hit that hundred episode mark, and then you decided to bail for one on one. Promptly, promptly had to take it off. <laughs> but it, it was a good week. We had a good episode last week with Chad and everything. Being able to sit down and have a have conflicting opinions on here which is something that every, all the viewers aren't used to so it was nice to have that and um doing well like tired summer's <laughs> in full swing and probably the roughest stretch of the year is coming up for me financially got father's day on sunday my anniversaries on monday and my daughter's birthday is the following tuesday but we're celebrating it next saturday so tough financial stretch which doesn't even include my mother-in-law's birthday my nephew's birthday which is actually <laughs> next saturday so very tough financial aspect for me at this time of year and i'm just exhausted to be dealing with it already that I, I feel you man I'm, I'm in the process of getting moved into our new house um that's another project that i've got to finish up this weekend but along with all of that comes you know painting on the inside getting everything cleaned up on the outside you know i uh, got a lawnmower got a weed whacker and starting to get the yard cleaned up and everything like that um also just moving and, and moving expenses you know how that goes i I'm, I'm i'm sure at least everybody else does if you've ever moved it's like the worst thing in the world and i've done it way too many times so i'm very glad that this is the last time i'm gonna have to move for the next 25 years but i get you on the financial aspect of that because all my bills are paid off down to zero getting everything canceled transferred over to the new house it's it's been a you know what show for quite honestly about three weeks and i'm i'm exhausted especially with everything going on outside of uh, in my in my personal work life and everything like that it's just been it's been pretty hectic so yeah it, i mean are, are you dying up there with the heat though no actually it's pretty it's pretty nice and cool down here i think it was like 60 yesterday but that's not too bad and uh, I just got to say, it's like, instead of saying, you know, the, the show thing, we can just call it the Cole Beasley show. It worked. <laughs> Man, if you, if you guys don't know, and you're, if you really want to go on to the, a, a tangent for the, you know, the, you know, what thing and the vaccine and everything like that, go check out Cole Beasley's Twitter. It's just ridiculous. Um, I, that was, that was absolutely hilarious to follow that today. Um, the outrage that are coming out of everybody responding to him is enough to like, you need some popcorn and about three hours to run through all the comments because it was absolutely glorious. But uh, no, I, it's just been, it's been wild, man. Honestly, with, with work being as busy as it is and getting moved in, I haven't had a second to really sit down and think about anything. You know, I've been trying to follow along with uh, the Broncos mandatory minicamp finished up yesterday. They had the field day and there was some faux outrage about that. I, I put a silly take out there, but at the same time, it's, I've got a point here. Um, we won't get into that. We won't get into that. We'll maybe talk about that later at another time, but uh, no, I'm trying to follow along with what the Broncos have been going on and everything. I've been watching the abs obviously fall off and watching the nuggets fall off and everything like that. It's just been kind of rough for me as far as paying attention to Denver sports. But in general, I, I mean, I, I do have kind of a pulse of what's been going on with mandatory minicamp. So only thing I know at Denver sports is the abs lost and the nuggets lost. 
<laughs> uh, that's fair. But before we get into this, guys, we have a really fun co- uh, topic of conversation for you guys today. We're going to be talking about some of the tail end of the roster, guys. I mean, this is Dove Valley Deep Divers. This is what we do. We go deep into everything and study the entire team roster top to bottom and try to find some guys right now. The bottom of the roster, guys, that have a re- legitimate opportunity to uh, crack the tail end of this roster as some depth pieces and stuff like that. Some guys that kind of flashed out in uh, mandatory minicamp and over the course of OTAs over the last couple of weeks. But before we get into that, guys, I want to say hello to everybody here. Uh, we got Gary Leeds jumping in here. What's going on, man? He's up on Facebook. Albert Knoppers as well. He says, what's up, guys, on a very hot day. Albert, I feel you, dude. It was 105 degrees earlier this week. It was 95 today. It's been rough. Uh, let's see here. It's 63 here. <laughs> uh, KB82 jumping in here to say what's up. I hate moving, too. I, I feel you, man. Uh, Broncos 17 and 0 coming in on YouTube and super chat with a $10 super uh, moving blues fund. He says he has another one up here as well. I'm going to grab that really fast. Uh, one for Eric. And he says, Hey guys, uh, birthday fund. It is apparently, uh, well, and obviously uh, happy birthday to your little bug up that way. I, uh, I, I can't wait to meet her one of these, one of these days, we need to get everybody together so I can actually meet, uh, meet Chelsea and, and meet Rosie and everybody. So uh, yeah, that's, that, that would be a pretty decent time. Uh, Greg Smith jumping in here on Facebook. Glad to see you back, Lance. Hey, I appreciate that. I, I'm glad to be back. Honestly, it's been it, two weeks. It doesn't seem like that, but also at the same time, it feels like an eternity. Like I said, it's been a long time since I've been able to do this and sit down and have a, a, a fun football conversation with you guys. Uh, John, I'm going to grab Muhammad's super sticker here. Uh, Muhammad Badri, the king of the super sticker, jumping in here with the two dollars super uh, super chat um, with the man with a Superman cape. I love that. That's that's good stuff, man. Appreciate you. It's a lemon man. It's a lemon man. Super lemon man. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get on. Let's get on with this. So, Eric, well, uh, real quick, since talking about birthdays and everything, happy early birthday, Michaela. Yes. Friday. Have a wonderful day for that. And uh, yeah, yeah we'll, have a wonderful day. Happy early yeah. birthday. We'll, see, we'll awesome. see you next Friday. We'll see you guys next Friday. That T-shirt is on its way, by the way. I'm, I'm still trying to make sure that uh, uh, everything is good with that. But you, your T-shirt is coming for you. The one that we gave away to you a couple weeks ago for the 100th, the 100th episode. So uh, she also jumped in here with a super chat. Congratulations on your new house, Lance. Thank you. I appreciate that, Michaela. And I, I appreciate the um, I, I appreciate that very much. My my family and I definitely appreciate you. So, Eric, with uh, with mandatory minicamp finally under wraps, the Broncos are now going into this five week, this five week stretch of the, the last part of their offseason um, that they you know can kind of go rest up and get prepared for training camp and everything like that. Before we get into this topic, the conversation, do you have any major takeaways? What were the things that you've seen coming out of uh, coming out of mandatory minicamp? Maybe some of the people that you've talked to that have kind of highlighted some names to watch out for, if, if anything. Well, I can tell you that canceling practice yesterday was not a good thing in your eyes, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> all joking cool. aside, um, not really. As I said, it's just been, I've been very busy. I haven't been able to pay too much attention to it. Um, what's going on in minicamp and everything. I do know that there are a lot of people that put way too much stock in practices. And what's funny to me is one player does well and, oh, they're saying, oh, we shouldn't take practices all that seriously. Another player does well. Oh yeah, he did so great. Like, Come on now, have some balance there. Um, something that we just see all over the web from other analysts for other sites and stuff like that. And it's like it's just a practice. It's a mini camp practice. It doesn't mean much. Let's go see what they do in the training in the preseason games. Let's go see what they do in training camp where it means a little bit more because they're going just a little bit harder. Like, well, and they actually. Really- 
Well, they actually have pads on. I mean, that's really, you know, Vic Fangio actually said, I think it was Tuesday, that uh, the, the uh, it was in regards specifically to the quarterback conversation. We're not going to dive into that. But he said specifically, you know, it was like, how much do you weight these mini camp practices for in, in terms of your quarterback evaluation? He said something like three or four percent. Like, so if we take that in the in, at the macro view and just widen that scope to the entire team, I mean, it's it's three three percent. So three days is three percent of the entire offseason in, in your evaluation process. So missing one one day of practice doesn't necessarily mean anything. And I don't think it's going to matter by any stretch of the imagination. The, the and Mo coming in here, and this is kind of the point that I was trying to make was this is a, a, a team that's five and 11, six and 10 and five and 11 over the last three seasons. They're in the middle of a quarterback competition. And the coaching staff has been repeatedly saying every rep is invaluable. We need as many reps as we possibly can. So it just I, I thought it odd. It was not, like I said, it doesn't necessarily mean a big deal to me because I don't think that that does, that does actually move the needle. I just thought you, you keep saying all these things. We need all these reps, but you're not actually going to take advantage to get them. I, I wrongly you – know, Andrew did that his rookie season as a head coach too, right? Yep, yep, I, and I fully yeah, understand that. For. There is nothing wrong with giving them a, a break for a day. It doesn't no. matter what record you are. That one practice isn't going to be anything. And there's a whole difference between one practice and every practice. Right. No. And, and that was where I went wrong in my, in the way that I worded that. And that's why I said, I need to explain myself on that one. And I'm not trying to compare one, one, one situation to another like that. It was the wrong thing of me to say. I just thought it odd is all. And it, it wasn't, like I said, it's not necessarily a huge deal. I don't think it moves the needle in any way, shape or form. It's just a kind of, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth here a little bit, and it doesn't necessarily ring right with me. It rubs me the wrong way, just a little bit enough that it was kind of a, a random thought but outside of that minicamp actually went fairly well for a bunch of a bunch of young players guys that are on the tail end of this roster uh specifically and we got a list of, uh, for you guys here um specifically for guys like quinn bailey who played a lot with the first team at the right tackle position bobby massey is dealing with an injury a pectoral injury right now so quinn bailey got to step in there and he spent time with uh the the other one I can't remember what's Cameron Fleming excuse me um, that uh, they they split some time and, and moved back and forth and Quinn actually held his own he looked like he uh, like he belonged out there with the first team offense and it, I mean it's it's hard to evaluate the offensive line especially when you're in in with it with no pads and there's not a, a full bunch of contact going on but for him to move well understand his assignments get out in front in the running game and stuff like that uh, Quinn Bailey actually has a legitimate roster to be the the fifth offensive like a swing tackle kind of a guy. Uh, for this Broncos roster. Eric, what do you think about that? I mean, every year we sit there and talk about um, Mike Munchak and his ability to develop offensive tackles. Well, he's been working with Quinn Bailey. He's been working on developing Quinn Bailey. I don't think he'll start, but I think that he might be a dark horse to win that battle, depending on what happens with Bobby Massey and with him coming back from in, with his from his injury, Cameron Fleming, who just wasn't that good last year. Is he able to bounce back? Like, I definitely think that he has a shot at it. He's definitely competing with Calvin Anderson. Mm-hmm. as well but he's been on the sideline for a couple days of otas i've saw that as well so i mean he definitely has a shot i think that he would be a a good depth option because initially they were working on him inside as well and he did well there i mean he shows mm-hmm. that versatility to play inside and outside which for a depth piece on the offensive line you're looking for that versatility to play multiple spots yeah, and I agree with that. I mean, look at what they did with Austin Slotman last year, playing him at center, playing him at guard, kind of the same situation here. Um, and now they've got uh, the um, 
dang it, uh, Elijah Wilkinson, who was playing guard and then swung him outside the tackle. He has that versatility. That's that, that depth piece. Unfortunately, Elijah Wilkinson had to play at the right tackle position, which was not exactly the, the best thing that they did. But Quinn Bailey, at least, has, it looked like he deserves to be out there. So I, I was I was very impressed with that. Another guy that I've seen a lot of was, um, uh, let's see here, uh, Kendall Hinton. Kendall Hinton, the wide receiver, uh, the, well, former quarterback turned wide receiver from Wake Forest. Everybody should know who Kendall Hinton is now. And from everything that I've heard uh, multiple times, listening to Broncos country tonight, surf and Twitter, I uh, listen to one Oh four, three to the fan. Kendall Hinton has been showing out. Like he's, his hands are good. His route running is, is starting to develop. He's that quick jitterbug slot receiver, um, really kind of making a lot of plays and turning some heads out there. I heard he had a, a one handed catch down the, down the sideline and warmups that got the, the wide receiver group hooping and hollering. Now this is kind of a stretch here for Kendall Hinton. I think in probably more towards, the practice squad and he, he kind of deserves it after getting thrown to the fire thrown to wolves like that this is a, a another you know hey good job bud you, you you're doing good you're working hard you're getting yourself ready to go i don't think he necessarily has a chance to make the actual roster but this is a guy worth uh, worth sticking around don't you think i definitely do especially with him working hard and everything i this is gonna sound terrible because it's not the best wording of it but i really don't care about him starting that new orleans saints game as in it doesn't earn him a roster spot this year no the work he has done at receiver to improve his game so far is pushing him towards being a practice squad spot my issue with him making the roster isn't the lack of work that he's doing it's not that the lack of capabilities to potentially be a wide receiver it's can he play special teams we haven't seen that yet and i think right now the broncos they pretty much have their five wide receivers unless they move one of them in a trade like Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton, Jerry, Judy, KG Hamler, Tyree Cleveland, your sixth guy is going to be a return guy in can Hinton or can Kendall Hinton do that or not. I think that's going to be the key unless they are deciding we're going to play Tyree Cleveland or KJ Hamler there. Like then that would help Hinton spot to potentially be it, but he's got to be able to show up on special teams as a returner. Yeah, well, Rich is actually jumping in here saying that he's heard that they are actually using him as a returner, too. So we'll see what happens here in training camp. If they keep working with him and using some versatility to him, I, I don't see any reason why he couldn't be another guy. Uh, and, yes, Bronco 17-0 jumping back in here. He has a quick question. Did we just pick up another receiver? Actually, it was two. It was two receivers. Um, I got it pulled up here. Give me just a second to find the re yeah, receivers. And they're actually more returners than receiver. Um, let's see here. It was Amara Darbo, a third-year player out of Michigan, and Demorne Pearson L. is it, who is a first-year player out of Nebraska, who actually is a very good punt returner from what the way I understand it. Had three total punt returns uh, for touchdowns at Nebraska. Averages like like ten and a half yards of punt return. Um, had a, a, I'm not exactly sure. I don't know what, what all his stats were. I know he had over a thousand yards receiving one season as well. So there's some versatility with him. Amara Darbo is a name that very is very intriguing to me eric what do you think about amara darbo um i'm really not looking at either of these returners okay my big issue is that if you're having a return specialist you're not building a roster right you want a guy who's got a um who's got potential on the offensive side of the ball as well or defense side of the ball if you're looking at a corner as being a return specialist um they got to offer up more than just return specialists you have three spots for specialists that's it like, mm -hmm. It doesn't need to be four. It should be three. Your kicker, your punter, and your long snapper. That's it. Um, find a guy who can contribute on offense and contribute on special teams. Like I, I don't. I don't understand. think any. I don't think either of those guys that they brought in are guys that are really going to contribute on offense. 
Right. No, I, I don't. I don't disagree with you there. Um, the the one that really kind of rings to me, and why you would bring in another wide receiver to have that sixth spot to take up another roster spot where you can add, you know, an, an extra interior defensive lineman, uh, add an extra offensive lineman if you wanted to. Maybe maybe keep a sixth or or even a seventh cornerback if you wanted to, because this Broncos cornerback room is lit right now. Holy cow, guys! Um, but. KJ Hamler. Why are they not using KJ Hamler in a returning rule? I I know that he did that at Penn State. He had a, a long kickoff return for a touchdown that was uh, just massive, explosive play. He wasn't even touched. Like seriously, he went to he went off to the left and just was gone. It was a, an amazing play for him. Why are they not using KJ Hamler in that role? Is that part of is part of that the hamstring injury that he's been dealing with for a little over a year now? Is that that they just want to kind of get him focused on learning his role in the offense, or are, do they just not have any vision for him be, playing that returner role? Well, they talked last year after they drafted him about easing him in on offense and potentially using him on special teams. I still think that's the possibility. I think last year the injury set him back, the hand set him back. And then there was word going around that he was struggling to pick up the offense a little bit, and they didn't want to throw more onto his table by having him trying to pick up the special team stuff like that. So I think it's a little bit of everything. I think right now they might we might see him get used there a little bit more in training camp, but there's definitely a battle there. And from what I gather from what the quotes that they've said um, or the comments they've made, the coaches, that is, that they're with what I said earlier, they're looking for those these guys that can contribute on – more ways than just on special teams as a returner and KJ Hamler. He's the one who makes the most sense. Put the explosive playmaker back there. I understand being concerned about his size and muffing punts. That's I am as well. We saw that with Trendon holiday as explosive as he was. He couldn't always cleanly field the ball. So we got, we got to kind of figure that out with him and hopefully that hamstring stays, stays good to go. And he's works on his hands because I think that that's, what's keeping him back the most from being a returner is his hands. Yeah, and I it, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, when you are what second in the league in drop percentage behind your teammate Jerry Judy, I mean, that's he was ahead of Jerry Judy. Oh, ahead. Sorry, I had I, I had it backwards. Uh, regardless, I mean, it's you have to be able to be trustworthy back there. I mean, that's why a while ago, I, well, I can't remember if it was it was after Trinan Trin Holiday or not. The Broncos were struggling to try to find a returner, and they eventually just put Emmanuel Emmanuel Sanders back there and said, "Just go go fair catch it. We don't need you to make a play. Just go go catch the ball and make sure that we secure the ball and get get back on offense and maybe can try to go score some points." Because there, there was a time there where the, the Broncos, uh, I, I mean, for the longest time, I mean, shoot that that kick return that. Uh, Deontay Spencer had last year against the Carolina Panthers was the first one that the Broncos have had since like 2014 or 2015. James Campbell. Yeah. Sorry. I I meant what I knew. Um, Yeah. It was like 20, like 2015. I think it was Omar Bolden had a a punt return for a touchdown that, uh, that season. So uh, yeah, like the the Broncos have had punt returning issues and kick returning issues for a long time. And isn't Tyree Cleveland returning punts too? I don't know about punts, but I know that he was on the, the kickoff unit last year for sure. Um, Eric, have you heard about anything about Tyreek Cleveland returning punts this year? No, I've heard about on kickoff returns. He's been getting tested out there, but not haven't heard anything about punts. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Where are we at? Uh, going, going back to KJ Hamler really fast. And Mo actually had kind of a, a, not necessarily an unfair comment, but it's definitely something to monitor about KJ Hamler. Um, imagine being a second year player and already having the label injury prone and something that I, I, I don't disagree with that, but man, hamstring injuries take forever to heal, dude. Like you, you walk on it all the time. There's not a whole lot of things that you can do to rest it, especially when you're out there trying to play. I mean, it's it, surgery is oftentimes an option to get it taken care of. I don't think that that's necessarily an option for KJ Hamler, but still, I mean, there's it, like, 
they take forever to heal up. I don't know if you've ever had a hamstring injury. I have a minor one and it was like six weeks for me to even get right. Now, if it's a major one and one that has been hampering KJ Hamler for, uh, I mean, going back to the, I think the combine, he actually had that one uh, in 2019 when he was, uh, or wait, wait, yeah. No, 2020, the, the combine right before the um, right before the draft, he was, you know, it, he had that hamstring injury, held him out of that. Um, and it's just been kind of dealing with it. It flared up again in training camp and kind of hampered him all through the rest of the season. He's dealing with it now. They're kind of just being cautious with it, at least in OTAs and minicamp. I think he's going to be ready to, as a full go participant in training camp, though, right? Hamler? Yes, KJ Hamler. Yeah, I believe that it'll be a full-time go. The issue is just re-injuring. I mean, hamstrings are pretty easy to re-injure. So just got to watch out for that. Hopefully that he's able to shed that. I think it's unfair already to kind of put that label on him, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's definitely a, a big concern. Yeah. So getting back to our list here of players that we've, that I've heard a whole lot of really nice things about um, Kerry Vincent jr. The Broncos seventh round pick rookie cornerback out of uh, LSU has, has turned some heads a little bit and coverage along with Essing Bassey, who has made some, or not, I'm talking about him for last year. Sorry. He's not even actually practicing right now. He's still recovering from the ACL injury, but that's, that's another guy that could potentially be, I mean, it's really between Kerry Vincent and Essang Bassi. And I think a big part of the reason why Essang Bassi is going to be on the outside looking in is because he's not going to be able to participate in training camp anyways. So it, it's probably, a, um, uh, he's going to start off on the, on the physically unable to perform list, maybe get an injury settlement. But I think that there's a, a possibility and a way for him to be kind of held around if they put him on PUP and then maybe do uh, just leave him there until the start of the season and maybe see if he can get right and get ready. Um, if there's an injury, that there's a way for him to get there. But Kerry Vincent Jr. seems to be on the inside track for the sixth cornerback spot. Eric, have you heard anything different about that? Uh, no, actually. I mean, it's basically what you highlighted. We're not sure if Bossy's going to be – ready to go in time early enough in the training camp to really make an impact. And even then there's been some talk that going around that I've heard that they might just kind of give him the year off to fully recover. And then, I mean, Bryce Callahan, he's at, he's probably gone and out. He's probably out of Denver after this year with his contract being up. They can look at bossy. Then Kerry Vincent. I've heard that he's been looking pretty impressive out there. All the attention has been going on Kyle Fuller, Kyle Fuller, Patrick Sertan, Ronald Darby, they've been getting all the attention, but Kerry Vincent's been doing well, and he seems to be on track for that fifth or sixth cornerback spot right there with Michael Ujimudia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it sounds like Michael Ojemudia might be seeing some time at safety as well. I keep hearing those rumblings about that. I'm not sure if that's if there's any truth to that. Um, obviously, not being out there, but I, I've I have heard that multiple times listening uh, to Broncos Country tonight um, that they they might be trying to use him as some safety looks as well. But uh, without being out there to see it for myself, I'm I, I you gotta kind of take everything with a grain of salt. And as to like Eric's point earlier in the show was these practices they matter minutely. They're like little little grain of rice in your entire jambalaya you know what i mean like there there's not a whole lot of like very meaningful stuff going on here so you got to take everything that you hear with a grain of salt like one player's having a great camp one player's really struggling right now uh i mean they're they're all learning still they're all trying to get everything figured out and get acclimated back to playing football so it does matter but not necessarily as much as everyone makes it out to be so with ojimudi he's not being tried out as safety he's kind of okay. playing this nickel kind of role um like that the best way to put it is kind of like Kareem Jackson's nickel hybrid type. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what he's doing, but he's not really being a safety. They're still using him out on the boundary, okay. using him against bigger slot guys. Um, I know there's been a couple of times where they put him on like guys like Tim Patrick in the slot, things like that. Um, I know there was a couple of plays there in a sequence that they used him on the tight end on, I believe it wasn't, it wasn't Noah Fant, but I believe it was Andrew 
Beck, who they motioned out in the slot, and he ended up coming up and taking him in. So it's kind of this hybrid type role that he's kind of being used at, but he's still really a corner at heart. Right. Is is that kind of similar to that um, that kind of nickel safety hybrid role that Pat Pat Sertan was used utilizing it? You know that star safety role. Is, is that kind of like, kind of what we were talking about there? And I think that's where we'll probably actually end up seeing Pat um, Patrick Sertan this year. Yep. Is taking on these bigger slot guys, these um, the tight ends that move around, like just this hybrid, the star role type thing, and. Vic Vandrew, I mean, his comments right after drafting him really makes you believe that that's going to be the case. Talking about using his versatility, using him in the nickel, um, match him up against tight ends. Like, these are all comments that Fangio has made. So that seems to be the be the case there. I mean, it's a tough corner, corner, corner room. Everybody talks about wide receiver. But, I mean, wide receiver, they have a lot of names after their top five. No one has really separated themselves just yet. But at corner, I mean, you have your top – you have your top eight and – I mean, they're all guys that are pushing for a roster spot. Mm-hmm. And, and that's it, it is actually kind of crazy, you know. Um, who was the other one that had a, a really good day the other day? I think it was Nate Harrison had a really good day. I know that uh, um, Parnell Motley has been victimized multiple times by Jerry Judy. It sounds like he is having an absolutely atrocious mini camp. Which, like I said, it, it's it, first off, it's Jerry Judy, and Jerry Judy's making everybody look silly out there. But it, it doesn't necessarily matter. But Parnell Motley was a guy that came. They, they brought him in late last year. He had to start because the, the Broncos had so much injury concerns, and he was a liability back then. He had a couple of nice flashes, but really he wasn't that great. Um, Nate Harrison either. But still, I mean, those guys are back. They're playing. They're fighting. They're 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 clawing their way and trying to. Like Eric said, this this cornerback room is five, six, seven, eight guys deep right now, and they all have a legit opportunity to make this roster. So um, with with guys like you know Nate Harrison there's there might be a way that he can be you know if, if the Broncos do want to keep I, I said five six set, they could potentially keep seven cornerbacks this year they really can with special guys with special teams versatilities I think that they might be able to do something no. like that you you a lot to, you have a lot at most 11 spaces to defensive backs and if you're mm-hmm. doing that it's six and six uh corners five safeties and that's okay. if there's injuries otherwise it's five um five and five at each spot okay um, I can see Denver going six and four but yeah, I mean, they're six corners is probably the max they go. But talking about Jerry Judy real quick and him victimizing Parnell Motley, you know who else he's victimized? Patrick Sertan. And you know why? Because yep. Patrick Sertan is so tight in the hips, he can't keep up with Judy through his routes. Hmm, funny how that works. Yeah, it's it's almost like you and I both saw that and kind of called that out and said that he needs to be playing press man. It sounds like the Broncos are using a little bit more man coverage out there. And I think it's just basic install stuff and just seeing what these guys can do and getting them, you know, back acclimated and everything. Learning this defense as well as is another big, big thing. Mm-hmm. And actually, if you guys have the opportunity, if you're a part of the, the Mile High Huddle Super Fan group, Nick Kendall actually sh- shared an article that he shared with us the other day um, by Cody Alexander, I believe is who wrote it, um, about yep. the, 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 um, the why teams are going to a lighter box, meaning that they're playing with more uh, more too high safety looks and getting players out of the box and really trying to stifle these quick passing games by keeping guys back and keeping the play in front of them. It was a very, very well-written article. Like I said, it's on the Super Fan Group. Just go check that out on Facebook if you guys get the opportunity to. And one thing about that um, that article too is that it highlights that Vic Fangio doesn't stray away from his scheme. So, well, it sounds like they're using a little bit more man stuff. I doubt we'll actually see it. He sticks to what he does. I mean, mm-hmm. and his disciples, they're the same way. The two guys that stuck with their with this their scheme the most, Brandon Staley and Vic Fangio. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, and, and like they were, it, it, there was a graph on there, and it wasn't even close You're about up teams. Here. The next team's like down here. Yep, it, like seriously, it was it was crazy. Like the the Broncos and the Rams were number one and number two by far of teams that played in uh, two high safety looks. So that that quarters coverage or cover two, you know, two high safeties. It, they, it was like seventy eight and like eighty two percent of the time the Broncos and the Rams lined up in two high safety looks. It's just ridiculous. The next closest team was like like fifty two percent or something. It was just r- wild how much the Broncos and the Rams stick to that and use that two high safety look pre snap. And they, they'll transition out of that. They'll go to middle of the field, close and run a single single high, drop a guy down into the box. And it, he uh, he did a really good job talking about Cody Alexander did uh, talking about. Uh, taking away the deep over route, the deep crossing routes by dropping a safety down. And if a, a safety overbites just a little bit, he's actually dropping into that perfect zone for the deep over, the deep crossing route and stuff like that. Very, very well done. And it, to, the way that he highlighted it, and he really did highlight Brandon Staley specifically, but also Vic Fangio for the work that they're doing and really kind of modernizing the way that defense is played in the NFL. Yeah, and going back just a slight bit, Andrew Baker said, PS2 has a lot of potential. Love his PlayStation necklace. Can he or anyone on defense cover Travis Kelsey? Well, in my opinion, the best bet to take out to slow down, because no one stops a Travis Kelsey or Darren, no. Darren Waller. No one in the NFL does. I know a lot of people like to bring up, well, look at what the Bucks did against Travis Kelsey in the Super Bowl. He still had a hundred, over 150 yards. Yeah, like ten. They slowed him down by keeping him out of the end zone, but he still moved helped move the ball tremendously. Mm-hmm. No one stops these guys. No. Patrick Sertan is the Broncos' best bet at slowing them down. I I think it's bracket coverage. Honestly, I think you get uh, well. I mean, and, bracket coverage, triangle coverage, like for anyone, yep. obviously. Yeah, that's gonna be. I'm talking about one on one. Your best matchup, Patrick mm. Sertan. Yeah, it the the length, the strength, the physicality, the athleticism that he does have. He may be a little bit stiff. Um, but Travis Kelsey is a, a pretty decent route runner, but he's not the best athlete in the world either. Like he's but not they're, they're the, the most athletic guy. There's a reason yeah. why they're tight ends. Exactly, they're not the smoothest of route runners. Like that's what Patrick Sertan can hang with. I just had a, a the light bulb go off in my head. Inappropriate joke, tight ends. Ha, ha, ha. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> gosh, I'm 12 today. <laughs> you guys see what I have to deal with? I have to deal with this on a regular basis. It's not that and, bad. And Nick Wolf, like, it's not, not that bad. Them. It's not that bad. You'll be fine. Uh, how is the D-line looking as of right now? I haven't necessarily heard anything. But, again, this is OTA practices and minicamp practices. They're not getting physical. It's so hard to evaluate trench play other than – I mean, you can get some some evaluation on the offensive line a little bit, especially when they go, like, pass pro sets because you can see the way that they're moving. But as far as, like, defensive line, I, I guess the only thing that I've really heard was that Malik Reed is just dominating the right tackles right now. And he's he did that last year in training camp as well. But – like the for defensive line where they can't use that strength and get leverage and stuff like that because they're not going full speed, they're not in pads. It's really hard to evaluate defensive line talent in minicamp. Like you can, yeah. you can see, like I said, you can see how offensive linemen move and how they, you know, the the way that they're getting their their kick step and see the athleticism and stuff like that. But for the most part, the the the, the trench warfare is not anything that you can really take a, a good look at. Yeah, anyone coming away with big takeaways for anybody on the defensive line, Ed Rushers, offensive lineman, anybody doing that from minicamp and OTAs, from padless practices, they're just going for a take. Like, you can't evaluate these guys here. You can watch, you can evaluate some technical aspects of it. But I mean, even then, you have to see what how they maintain that technique through contact, how they work to better technique through contact, stuff like that, better positioning. Mm-hmm. Like, 
there's just it's just so limited of what you can evaluate on the defense in, in the trenches, like as you were saying. Um, Robert asks, would bump and run work on tight ends? I mean, it would. It's a way to help slow them down. I mean, talking about guys like Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey, because those are the two guys that Denver has to focus on slowing down right now. I mean, it it would help. I mean, you don't let them smoothly get into the route right away. You kind of hold them there for a little bit. Helps your pass rushers potentially get after the quarterback a little bit quicker. But I mean, like you just got to have the talent throughout to maintain to not get bullied off of them, which is something that Travis Kelsey really does. He likes to use his body and his technique and that legal hands to get away from guys in coverage. I mean, and it's effective. Rob Rob Gronkowski did it for years. Mm -hmm. I mean, we saw that happen last year against the Broncos. I mean, he had a big catch on Josie Jewell just because, I mean, Josie Jewell is right there with him, but he just used enough movement, enough physicality to just get Jewell out of the way so he can make the catch. So bump and run, it helps, but you got to have somebody you can hang with them throughout the rest of the route as well. Right. And I, you actually kind of touched on something I wanted to, to elaborate on here just a little bit. It really kind of depends on the stylistic play of that tight end. I mean, Darren Waller is probably a better guy that you can go and get into his body a little bit because he's not the most physical player. He relies on that athleticism and his length more than he does physical strength and power, you know? So Travis Kelsey is another guy kind of like that. He does use some physicality, but he's not like a, the most physical guy. Now, if you're going to go against a, a Rob Gronkowski because he is a big guy's big physical player, he likes to use that physicality and use that uh, use that to help him create some separation. George Kittle, another example of that. A very, very physical kind of a, a tight end. He's a great athlete as well. He can use some athleticism to create some separation, but he's a guy that is he's the best run-blocking tight end in football by, uh, like, hands down. You're not going to be phys- more physical than, than, uh, than uh, um, damn it, uh, George Kittle, sorry. I drew a blank there for a second. You're not going to be more physical than him. You're probably not going to be more physical than um, than Rob Gronkowski. Can you be more physical than Julius Thomas? Can you be more physical than maybe a Zach Ertz type, a Dawson Knox, or um, let's see, the uh, uh, Jimmy Graham? Like Jimmy Graham is definitely not the the most physical tight end. You can use – I mean, actually, the New England Patriots, when Aqib Tlaib was still in New England and Jimmy Graham was tearing everybody up in New Orleans, that's what they did. They used Aqib Tlaib on Jimmy Graham as a physical bump-and-run defender and held Jimmy Graham to zero catches and zero yards. You can You can do that. It's just stylistically, and do you have that right guy? As Eric said, do you have that right guy that can be that physical presence, more or less? So – yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good question, Rob. And Robert, always coming in here with just the most fire questions here. He's got another one here. Uh, where can Noah Fant be the most effective on the football field, Eric? Wherever. Start him in line, move him around, get him mismatched against the tight end or against the linebacker. I mean, you can use him in multiple different ways. His blocking's better than most fans perceive it. I mean, just have him do whatever out there. Get him, get him matched up against the linebacker. That's your biggest goal. Yeah. Get a matchup against linebacker. There you go. And I, I like where, where John's coming in here. Bawana B says uh, mid, middle routes, crossing the field, um, those deep over routes and stuff like that. Let him use that athleticism and that speed to help create some separation. And that's another guy. You might be able to use some bump and run stuff like that, but he's pretty physical. He'll knock you on your ass and then outrun you because he is one of the best athletes at the tight end position. He's just Probably. not physical when it comes to catching at the catch point. That's very true. That's very true. Uh, Trevor Sandell says the first read. Use him as the first read, and it would probably be pretty successful. That's, yeah. that's the way to success with Drew Locke at quarterback. 
Yeah, it really is. It really is. Uh, let's see here. See if I can't grab a, another couple of names here. Um, Eric, another guy that uh, everyone's – I haven't seen a whole lot about him other than the fact that for a guy his size, he can really move. And This is uh, rookie offensive tackle Drew Himmelman. He's six foot nine, like 315 pounds, rookie out of Vanderbilt, I believe. I, I think I might be drawing a blank there. Eric, I know this was a guy that you kind of liked in the, in the pre-draft process as a, as a developmental tackle. Have you heard anything about Drew and his development – or is there a potential possibility of him becoming a swing guy or a practice squad guy? Well, first of all, Illinois State. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, Drew Hillman, I mean, I haven't heard much about it. As I said earlier, is I haven't been paying super close attention to it. I know some stuff about the guys at the top of it, some stuff that I've just seen come across my, my, uh, my timeline on Twitter or things that have been mentioned in the chat. Um. But, I mean, if he's looking good, smooth, moving, and athletic out there, I mean, that's kind of what he was in college. The issue was is that sometimes the power is not always there and sometimes the technique's not always there. I don't think he's a guy that's really going to push for a roster, but he's definitely, I think, right there for um, for the practice squad. I think that he's got a he's got some potential to work with and develop under Mike Munchackle. Mike right. Munchak. Mike Munchackle. I'm not sure if that's a Freudian slip or not. I was going to say Mike Munchackle, Mike Munchak at tackle. And uh, I had to just go Mike Munchak, but I still went with the ackle. Right. So I know where I got Vanderbilt from because there was another guy I wanted to talk about. Andre Mintz, the edge rusher from Vanderbilt. I got the two of them mixed up. Uh, the, the edge rush position for the Broncos, they went and drafted Jonathan Cooper. They had Malik Reed uh, potentially bring an, along another guy. And Andre Mintz is a guy that uh, I know James Campbell really likes him a lot. Eric, what do you think about him? I like him a lot as well. I think he's a very Malik Reed-esque, not the strongest of run defenders, but he's a decent athlete that can get up after the quarterback quickly with some good athleticism. Um, but again, it's going to come down to, can he be a little bit more physical? Can he come down um, come down and be a little bit more, um, a little bit stronger at the point of attack? Those are the big, big questions I have with him. I like him a lot as well. And after the Broncos picked him up, he was actually the one guy I said that probably has the best shot of making this roster. Broncos will probably keep five edge rushers. And especially with Von Miller coming back from injury and Bradley Chubb's injury history. Um, Malik Reed is obviously number three. Those last two spots, they're up for grabs. I don't think Derek Tuska is guaranteed a spot. I don't think Jonathan Cooper is either. But I I think that'll probably end up being Cooper and Mintz, really. Um, Tuska, he's he's just another guy. He's just a jag. And Mintz and Cooper, I think they offer just a little bit more than Tuska does. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And Tuska, they tried to use him a little bit late towards the, the end of the year last year. Um, they just needed somebody else in the rotation. And he was not terrible, but he was just, uh, like you said, just a guy. Um, he's not very long. He tries to use the length and, and physicality, but he's just not not the best athlete, not the best length. He has decent leverage, but he's not a guy that, to bully anybody. He doesn't set the edge very well. He's just a guy. I mean, so I, I agree with you there. I don't think that he's guaranteed anything, not even a practice squad spot. Um, I think that Jonathan Cooper has a has a better inside track to, to make it just because he's this year's draft pick and it's George Payton's guy. Like, quite honestly, yeah. that's the reason why he would be the guy to, to, to move on and be that fourth edge defender. I think really the competition to watch there is between um, Derek Tuska and Andre Mintz, quite honestly. I think I think that's where you're going to be looking at there. I will say this a couple of things uh, just to address real quick that you said before we have to start getting out here. Cause we do have to get out of here a little bit early. I've just got some stuff going on. Um, I think of the three, whichever one doesn't make it, will make the practice squad. Okay. Just for the injury issues. So I think that Tuska, if he happens to be the odd man out, he'll keep it. But what you said about Cooper being the, being the guy and everything. Um, basically the best way to put it is Mintz and Cooper. They're this year's Christmas presents 
and not the hand-me-downs from the older brother. Mm-hmm. And that's what Tuska is. He's the hand-me-down. Yeah. So I think that Cooper and, and Mintz, they have the edge. Obviously, it's going to come down to how they do in training camp. But it's definitely, they're the new toys for the new guy, not the old guy's hand-me-downs. Yeah. Uh, Michael Ronquillo, I want to just give you a shout out. Thanks for the stars, man. Uh, over on Facebook two times. You got two different ones up here um, and then jumped in here to say hello. Uh, good evening to uh, to Michael and everybody else that's joining us. I think that's pretty much uh, we got uh, Joshua Trujillo jumping in here as well, saying hello and ev- uh, good evening to everybody in Broncos country. It's been a trying day at work, but your podcast is always a breath of fresh air. Keep up the good work, guys. We appreciate that, Josh. We really do, man. I mean, we're it, it's it's slow right now. There's not a whole lot of news to break down. We just try to give you guys the best content that we can. And we appreciate you guys coming in and giving us any positive feedback that we that we could potentially get, you know. So uh, we appreciate everybody for for joining us tonight. But I think with that, guys, we got some stuff going on. I got to finish moving. Like I've, I've got, let's see, three more bedrooms to finish. Well, not bedrooms, but just rooms to get finished up, uh, kitchen, bathroom, stuff like that to finalize that. We're going to be done moving tomorrow. So hopefully I'll have everything set up here in the next couple of weeks. But with that, guys. I'm going to say good night for you all. Um, John, let me take the sticks here really quick. Well, we'll real quick I just want to say, it's like, just so you guys know, Lance is currently podcasting from the back of a U-Haul. He just put <laughs> that up, just sit there to try to make it all look normal. I mean, the ends that this guy goes to, to try to, to come to you guys, man, definitely a round of applause to, to Mr. Lance here. Oh yeah. The, the ends that I'm going to go to, to avoid having to talk football with Eric Trickle. Let's just, let's just put it that way. I'm going to put our, our group chat on mute after what you did to me yesterday. And for the first part of the day, God, man, it was ridiculous the way that he was hazing me. It was, it was not really hazing, just razzing me over that the tweet that I put out yesterday. Go check that out at Sanderson MHH. And for Eric at Eric Trickle, guys, while you guys are at it, um, that's on Twitter, by the way. Follow at DVDD underscore pod. That's the podcast account. Also at Mile High Huddle. That's the mother account where you're going to get breaking news and analysis regarding your Denver Broncos. You get opinion articles, film breakdowns, anything to suit your fancy at Mile High Huddle. And find all, all of our written work at milehighhuddle.com. And uh, from every every one of your favorite Mile High Huddle personalities, including Nick Kendall, Carl Dumbler, Luke Patterson, Chad, Zach, everybody at Mile High Huddle. That's where you're going to get it. Uh, Facebook uh, Facebook supporters. Facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle. Become a supporter. Click that blue Become a Supporter button. It's where you're going to get some uh, the inside track on some premium content like the Trickle Zone and like Kellerman's Corner. Eric, you have an announcement for Trickle Zone for this week. Yes, guys. There will be no Trickle Zone tomorrow or the following week. Um, as I said, I just got to start getting stuff ready for Father's Day and my anniversary the, and on Sunday and Monday. And then next Saturday is when we're celebrating my daughter's birthday, and it's actually my nephew's birthday. So next two Saturdays, no trickle zone, but we'll be back the Saturday after that. Right. So anyways, trickle zone airs on every Saturday at noon and Kellerman's corner. That's Zach Kellerman's uh, special show with Kimberly Becker that airs on Sundays at noon. So guys, the only way to get that is to go to facebook.com slash mile high huddle. Click that blue, uh, blue become a supporter button. Um, guys, if you're financially able to do so, head on over huddleuppod.com. Get your merch. That's the merch tank. You yourself a hat. There's a new Dove Valley Deep Divers t-shirt up there as well. There's hoodies, face masks, coffee cups, something for uh, something for the guys, something for the gals. There's a onesie for your baby if you if that's your if that's your swag. Like huddleuppod uh, huddleuppod.com. Go get it. like that's a great way to support the show. And guys, if you're not able and financially able to do so, just don't want to. Like that's not your style. The three easiest things that you guys should be doing and everybody should be doing for, I mean, from now on, subscribe wherever you guys are watching this, whether it's on YouTube specifically, but Facebook, um, Apple Podcasts, Twitter, um, 
let's see, Twitch, anything like that, wherever you guys are at, wherever you guys get your podcast content, subscribe to Mile High Huddle, like every single episode you guys see, every video you guys see. That's one of the easiest and most organic ways that you guys can help support the show. And if you love it, share it. Get it out in front of as many Broncos fans as humanly possible because that in and of itself is the easiest way to help us grow and to help do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos. Now, guys, before we get out of here, Eric, I always have to ask you before we leave, any last words, man? Um, last words. <laughs> that was a really... no. Actually, I do. Um, to all the fathers out there in the chat, I hope you guys have a wonderful Father's Day. Um, enjoy the day, enjoy the day with your families and everything. Just have a nice and wonderful Father's Day, and have a great weekend for everybody as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, happy Father's Day, everybody. Um, understand what tomorrow is all about. Tomorrow's Juneteenth, so make sure you understand what that's all about. Um, and just have a loving embrace with everybody over the over this next weekend. Uh, have a great weekend. You all stay safe and take care. We will see you guys next week, same time, same place. And you, as always, before we get out of here, go Broncos.